Hello and welcome to show 21 of the Back to Football podcast. That's the number one podcast for people who probably should talk about something other than football. It's the 5th of November 2019 and I'm joined in the studio not only by John Miller. Hey John. How you doing Dan? You well? I'm very well, yeah, I'm very well, but also by uh, a debut co-host, Levi. Uh, Levi, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, uh, all good. Of course, uh, you're in the studio with us today to talk a little bit, obviously, about football. We know you're a big football fan, but also uh, there's a big boxing match coming up this weekend. So why not? Let's let's uh, jump straight into uh, KSI versus Logan Paul. Yeah, our chief uh, correspondent. Yeah, Levi. happening, what, yeah. Saturday night or Sunday morning, about 6am. 9th uh, of November. Yeah, the 9th of November uh, over in LA at the Staples Centre. Um, tell us a little bit then what how, how you see it going. How, how much have you been following the, the pre-fight stuff as well? It's an interesting one because um, I'm a massive boxing fan. So um, whether it's I'm watching Anthony Joshua or... Billy Joe Saunders, um, who's yeah. actually on the undercard, massive boxing fan in general. So I've been following the hype quite a bit because I'm just like, this is new, new aspect of boxing. They're mm. fighting professional, 10-ounce gloves, no head guards. So I watched the first fight. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've got a chance to see the first fight. but um, I didn't first... see it live. I've seen, yeah, I've seen the highlights, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so it had a really amateur feel to it. You could just okay. you could tell there's a bit had an amateur feel to it. However, the way the fight panned out, if you look at Logan Paul... And the shape that he's in, you thought he's going to dominate this, but he just, his conditioning was so poor that in the latter stages of the fight, KSI dominated it. So it's one of those interesting ones that it's almost a toss-up between the two. Mm. But um, I guess the way I see it going is if Logan Paul can uh, do the work that he has to do in the early rounds, then yeah. I don't think KSI survives to the later rounds. Okay. However, if it goes past the mid-stage, then the fight starts swinging into KSI's favour mm. because I just don't think... Logan Paul's conditioning is uh, back up to scratch because he's definitely the heavier fighter. Yeah, Ooh. I saw it. I, I I heard actually on his podcast a couple of weeks ago that he was. Uh, he said he was sitting at about two hundred eight, um, yeah. and obviously the fight is at two hundred. So I don't know what best practice is. Is, as is a that boxer. Logan Paul sitting at yeah. two hundred eight? Yeah, Jesus. Like two hundred eight pre fight. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you lose obviously a bit of. You lose a bit of something if you're going to drop down eight. Eight pounds. Yeah, just to that make could weight. that could be a key factor. Um, I mean, obviously, just slightly going off topic. I think a lot of the sort of uh, boxing pundits were saying that about um, Kovalev and Canelo on the weekend that he, he had to come down or he had to make some kind of weight that um, stipulation or rehydration clause that Canelo put in, and that this thing had an effect. So if if he's got to like lose eight pounds by when's the weigh-in? When's the final weigh-in? You Must do. be this Friday, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. if he's got to lose that, that could drain him a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, this was this was last week, so you'd think that he's probably cut some of that already. But yeah, I don't know. There's just some something there because he, he looks huge. He looks really big. Yeah, and like yeah. you say, the conditioning is such an important part. Um, he actually mentioned that he for the first fight, he'd kind of they'd conditioned more for just endurance and like running conditioning almost, like marathon conditioning. Whereas that's not bo- boxing's yeah. not about that, and um, and I think also because it was for both of them. Well, maybe it was KSI's second biggish fight. I think he fought yeah. Joe, Joe Weller. Fight with Joe Weller, yeah. um, first again, very amateur. Yeah, but he completely outclassed uh, Joe Weller. Joe Weller just wasn't up to scratch, quite frankly. Um, and I'd say in the latter stages of it, 
he completely outclassed Logan Paul. So if I was to call that one, I don't think it should have been called a draw. Really? I think KSI should have taken it. Uh, yeah. Just on the basis of the rounds one, rounds one to two were Logan Paul, but then the rest of it was all KSI, in okay. my opinion. Yeah. Um, so if history almost repeats itself in exactly the same way, then I think they have to call it in, in KSI's favour again. Yeah, I think there's uh, an element as well. When, you're, when your first big fight is on that level and you're not a professional boxer... They get an adrenaline, a massive adrenaline spike mm. when they go into the ring for that first time, or they come out in the arena and it's like, wow, mm. what's this? And then that once that wears off, which is probably what happens a lot with Logan, is once that wears out, and suddenly your body's like, hang on, where am I? What's going on? Yeah. Like, I'm taking shots to the face here. And so, if you watch his um, mini series, he's got a mini series on Snapchat. Um, he actually said that his energy was sapped because he was like had so much adrenaline going through his body in the early stages and that's what he's fighting so the minute that dies down yeah he was completely flat out, out. because he was over almost overcome um by the atmosphere the pressure um and just being in i guess in a square ring uh with only one other person in there yeah. but there's also eight thousand people watching you i think that's always going to sap your energy yeah. you've got to ride you've got to ride the crowd otherwise yeah. Yeah, I, do, I also do wonder um, how much, because obviously they, they both fighters say a lot, every fighter, there's all this pre, pre-fight pre stuff where they say a lot, how much of what they say is true? Can we even, you know, if he says he's 208, is he definitely 208? Like, is he just lying? Is it all is it all mind games? I don't know how, like, you know, where that line falls with, uh, with these YouTubers, whether they, you know, they're saying certain things to, to make you know, to make KSI think a different way yeah. or to make us... Maybe. I mean, there's going to be some kind of tactics and skullduggery yeah. a little bit going on. Obviously, to try and gain an advantage, that's, you know, in a, in a one... In any sport, you, yeah. you, if you can try and gain an advantage over your uh, rival, that will, you know, help you take home yeah. the W, then you're going to try and execute it and do it. Uh, well... We may come back to this this fight uh, a little later in the show, but to to stay on that topic of saying little things to you know try and get in the in the mind of your opponent. Did you see uh, the Pep Guardiola interview uh, after yeah. the City game at the weekend, uh, yeah. in which he said um, <laughs> that Man City? Oh no, sorry, that Liverpool uh, have great players and sometimes they score late goals, but sometimes they dive. Yeah. He threw that little one in there. Um, as a Liverpool fan, Levi, um, has that touched a nerve? Uh, uh, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say it's touched a nerve. It's more telling of of Pep for me. I think, quite frankly, he's rattled. He's like he's frustrated at the fact that uh, Liverpool keeps snatching these late results. Um, but quite frankly, if we're honest with ourselves, and if Pep's honest with ourselves, Man City have been nowhere near the quality of last season, and that's just 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 the facts. And similarly, Liverpool haven't been anywhere near yeah. the quality of last season as well but we're still grinding out the results and uh, the reality is that Man City haven't been able to grind out the results every single time we're uh, what 10-11 games in um, yeah. and Liverpool are still unbeaten but Man City have managed to lose two so yeah. I think he's rattled and he doesn't like it yeah. so he's trying to find a way to get into uh, Liverpool players' heads but if that was me if I'm if I'm Mane or if I'm Salah that's just going to drive me to yeah. want to hurt them even more yeah. And I can see it going Liverpool's way. Not because I'm a Liverpool fan. I was going to say, if you're a neutral hat on, how do you see it going? Man City's Man City's defence isn't up to the standard to be able to deal with Liverpool's front three at the minute. They lost Zinchenko. 
Um, yeah. They've lost their spine in company. Ooh, um, Port's injured as well, isn't it? Port's injured yeah. still, yeah. So I've, I'm even going to throw a score prediction out there. Um, and my score prediction is 2 0 Liverpool. Yeah, there you go. I think it's an, I think it's an interesting one. one uh, obviously, yeah, these two going head to head on Sunday is a big thing. Um, but I've watched the last three Leicester games, mm-hmm. uh, and to take take us in a slightly different direction here. But I've watched the last three Leicester games, sort of in their entirety, and sixty to one odds you can get at this point on Leicester uh, to to win the league. And I'm getting some looks here in the studio, but. Honestly, this this Leicester team, they've got the go belief. Again. They've got the belief because yeah. they've done it before. Yeah, of course. I know it's a slightly different field that they're playing up against now, and you've got this mega Liverpool team, you know, this dynasty Liverpool team, and you've got Man City under Pep. But if City were to win on, let's say, City win on Sunday, and Leicester beat Arsenal, which I think they will. At oh this yeah, point, I think they will. Yeah. Um, Leicester will be four points, I think, behind. Maybe even less, maybe three points behind Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing with the Leicester team is they are so direct. They kind of they take a lot of the good aspects of Liverpool's game. Um, there's a slightly different style to, to City, but I think they they are quite similar to Liverpool in the sense that they are very very direct. They want to move the ball from Schmeichel to Vardy as quickly as possible. And you've got players like Tillmans in the middle and DD. Uh, and James Madison, I, I just I'm I'm a big fan of this Leicester team, and I certainly think they can crack top two. Likewise, I'm, I'm a massive fan of the Leicester team, but also I'm a massive fan of Brendan Rodgers, obviously yeah. for his time at, yeah. at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and I think Leicester's performances remind me of um, Liverpool in 2013 when they were challenging for the league, but they that was the triple S season, Spurs yeah, yeah, yeah. and Sterling. So, um, but yeah, they they fell short. Um, Literally fell short. Yeah. So <laughs> Gerard fell. <laughs> so, uh, but the, re- <laughs> the reason I say the, re- the reason I say that they, I don't think they'll reach the heights of um, first place and actually winning that league title was because I'll just put into context. Number one, Liverpool have been able to maintain again an unbeaten start to the season. They lost one game last season, um, mm. and yeah. they're replicating similar types of form at the minute. So can Leicester basically compete with a team that are only losing on average in the last two seasons, one, two games, three yeah, games? Yeah, I think that's where they'll, That's where it will be. I think you can see, you know, Leicester maybe going away to Sheffield United and maybe picking up a draw or something like that. Whereas, whereas um, I think... Liverpool were just so consistent at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I think they'll get in the top four. I, th- I think the top four yeah. as it is now will be the top four as it finishes. So I Chelsea think, and Leicester. Yeah, yeah. I think Chelsea. I was. Yeah. I didn't have when we did our predictions. We didn't have Leicester in there. Kind of, we had Chelsea. In yeah. There. I thought Arsenal would yeah. kind of do a lot better than they have been this year, but they've just been dreadful. Um, and that, I think it? yeah, and I think uh, Leicester have. Um, Capitalized as they did when they won it, when well, no it. one was playing yeah. well. I think, unfortunately for them, as you mentioned, Liverpool and City have just an amazing squad, um, and they are both way more consistent than, than that season there for Leicester to, to 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 get there. But top four, I, I actually think they'll finish third. Yeah. And if we're just talking about obviously the Leicester team, um, 
I would say one of their weaknesses, although it hasn't been so far this season, one of their weaknesses that we'll find them out later in the season is uh, is their defence. Mm. I just don't think they have that player that's um, a spine a spine at the back that can command not only the back line but also just command the team. Um, I think in their title winning season they had a, a strong Wes Morgan. And um, Yeah, and they just don't have those those players. And I think, again, that's why I'm linking it with Man City. They've lost company. That's left a hole yeah. in their, their squad. So almost that backbone and that structure, that experience, they're lacking in it massively. Um, and that's always that's always going to be a concern. Yeah, I mean, the the guy that's come in to replace um, Harry Maguire, Soyuncu, yeah. has been a revelation he's there. Like, he's been brilliant. And I think... Licked with Arsenal you know, as well. One, yeah. one potential probably injury to him. And I think, yeah, they are probably down the pan because it's Johnny Evans is is the the partner in the back four. But Soyuncu's been been brilliant for yeah. him. Like, he's a real no-nonsense, like, all... Um, yeah. I'm you know, looking at a fan's him. defender. I'm looking at him now. I'm he just scored like, at the weekend as well. Apparently. Yeah, he did. And I'm like, oh man, he was linked heavily, heavily with Arsenal. And we Would that have been a transfer from Leicester to Arsenal? No, no, no. Wherever he was yeah, before. wherever he was before. Okay. Um, and we didn't get him. We, I don't even know who we got. I can't even remember. We, we got Pepe. David Luiz. And the players, because obviously you follow the transfers over the, over the uh, transfer period. And the two players that I really wanted that we that we didn't get in our defence was Cahill, who has been again a revelation. Yeah, pretty at Palace, solid at Palace, yeah. And Soyuncu, and we got David Luiz. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Now, just again, just put into context. Uh, I don't really think that Arsenal are looking into the future in, uh, in a sense. Um, just put into con- that that transfer just puts it into context. David Luiz is what thirty two. Uh, yeah. So he's approaching the the almost a prime almost for his career, if not just past his prime. Yeah. Um, and so on choose twenty three. So yeah. um I think that this like it's just showing what Arsenal are about. They're trying to go for established players. Yeah. But they're just not quite and I, getting it. I, yeah, I feel like that's a bit of a bleed over from from the Ferguson Wenger era. Like I think United and Arsenal um seem to be two clubs that that feel like they should be buying players in their prime Ooh. where there's there's le- there's been less emphasis at least in the transfer policy of both of those clubs to buy young invest in talent that is you know potential talent at this point there's, there seems to be a need to you can only buy someone that's had an amazing season last year and is already a starter for their I, I disagree team. I, I think for Man United I think Arsenal have actually done that I've, this is actually what uh, bought yeah, Ooh, I mean, I think this transfer window has been oh, like anomaly where they've done it, um, but they've been where they haven't done it. Like you, you think in the past, you know, the, the Guendouzis, you know, yeah. Jose Antonio Reyes. I mean, Martin Martinelli this season. Yeah, um, Jose Antonio Reyes. Sorry, they brought him. Um, Reyes. Reyes. Back in the day. Oh, back in the yeah, day. back in the day when he was young. So you're saying Wenger era? <laughs> so like, come back from the dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wenger era. Um, you know, I think under Wenger they were always buying. Um, yeah, they weren't buying established players. Younger. Nobody knew yeah, Petit yeah, yeah. Vieira, yeah. Reyes, Henri, um, even Henri and Elka yeah. before. Um, I think towards the end of his career, I think he was getting it wrong. He was buying young players and it weren't working out. So I think yeah. they did switch it with Mikel Silvestri and yeah. a, a few other plebs. But um, I, I, I do think that Arsenal is a little bit of a mix, and I, I think yeah. it's a little bit all over the place. Because on the one hand, you can say, "Yeah, well done, you've got Martinelli, who looks like he's going to be fabulous." Yeah. Um, but then you've got 
you know, like, David a, one, like a one year contract for Licksteiner last year. Yeah, what? Like, yeah, what was that? About? That sort of thing. Like, I think MRA. Yeah, there is probably he's probably trying to mix it a little bit and, and getting it wrong. Yeah. I think I'd even question that on the, on United side as well. Um, I think United had the perfect opportunity almost to exploit the the young talents. So obviously, they had Rashford coming through. Mm-hmm. They bought Martial when he was really young Ooh. at the time. Obviously, now <laughs> Lingard's old. I, I'm. I think we should just put that out there. Yeah. He's um, 27. Yeah. yeah. He's not an emerging talent anymore. No. Um, <laughs> is he 27? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Oh, it's been a bit of a meme he's, on he's my yeah, this he's week. He's actually a modern day field. Yeah, world. yeah. People saying, give him give him a chance. He's only young, but he's, you know, he's, a, he's, getting he's on. at an age where Ronaldo probably had 300 goals already yeah. in his career. <laughs> so they, they had the, the youth almost in that team. I'd say the problem with United is that they, again, it's a common theme they have lost the backbone, they've lost the structure uh, for their team and almost their team's like being run by kids that are running mm. right essentially mm. um, because they have no player that stands there authoritative yeah. um, and basically commands the respect from the team and commands the hard work. So you look at every, you look at the teams that are doing well at yeah. the minute or you look at, let's go back to last season, Man City had their company, kept yeah. them level-headed, kept them working hard um, and you know what, who's actually stepped in uh, in the absence, obviously, Transitioning from 2013 with Liverpool, uh, Jordan Henderson managed to step Ooh. up, fill the boots, um, yeah. and I don't think I've seen another captain in the league. And this is me removing my bias. Uh, oh, I don't to. know about that. I don't, think, I don't think I've seen another captain in the league that has the amount of passion yeah. that um, Jordan Henderson has. He runs 100 mile an hour from minute one to minute 90, um, and he commands that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He commands that respect and work rate from his team because he's leading by example. If we look at Arsenal, if we look at um, Man United, what one player would stand out in that manner that mm. commands the respect, no. the passion um, yeah. of for the players on the pitch? Yeah, no, no one. I mean, the the great football teams are built of leaders. Like you know, you've got at, at least at Liverpool, you've got Robertson is is Scotland captain. Uh, Virgil van Dijk is Dutch captain you've got Henderson Milner in the middle both of those have been captains at their club level Salah's Egypt captain Mane Senegalese captain Um, you know good teams if you look at all the good Chelsea teams back in the day you had Jogba was a captain up front Terry was a captain at the back Czech was always you know uh, Czech Republic captain and good teams especially international teams is where you really see it and you see the the dominant Spain team, the the Italy team that won in uh, 2006, they are teams that are, are usually entirely built up of club captains. Um, and yeah, I think we're seeing that at the moment is that there's probably a lack of leadership, uh, oh, yeah. which brings us very nicely onto uh, our topic of Arsenal here. And, <laughs> Good and, segue there. And Granit Xhaka's uh, captain debacle, or just generally the actual, the, the whole captain uh, crisis at Arsenal. You've gone from... Uh, Henri to Fabregas to William Gallas and then uh, who's uh, obviously Granite Xhaka who's been before Xhaka you had Mikel Arteta yeah Arteta uh, and I think there was one other oh Van Persie Van Persie Van Persie was yeah. captain yeah and all of these are, tr- are troubled characters really and they, they didn't have glorious Arsenal careers I mean Van Persie obviously was a brilliant brilliant player for you but left on bad terms Ooh. Fabregas is probably the only one out of them that, that left with any kind of uh, any kind of um, pride, yeah. or from from the fans at least. 
Oh, Arteta, um, he wasn't an amazing Yeah, Arteta's gone yeah, on yeah. to... Yeah, he's a yeah, sick legend now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And that, that's, that's another story that kind of links in. But, but yeah, I think but, it's... Uh, Jack's situation, tell us. It's, it's, <laughs> he's hit the nail on the head, Levi, in terms of <laughs> leaders. And you hit it all on the head. It's like, there is no leaders in the team. And I think, what did he do? He did a vote for captain. Like, I would never do that. As you know, I'm a football coach myself. I wouldn't vote. I wouldn't tell my under-11s, vote who do you think is going to be a captain. Um, it's a bit like The Apprentice. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's uh, the team leader this yeah, week. Who, yeah, yeah who's, who's going to be captain this week? Yeah, you've got five captains. That's just, you don't have five captains. You have one captain and you might have a vice captain. That is it. And everybody, you know, respects that player. That player is the voice of the team. Like Levi said, Liverpool, Jordan Henderson, like he's, they're playing to his passion, you know. We're playing to our t- our, t- our captain's passion, which is little to none. Take your yellow shirt cards. Take your shirt off and throw it on the floor. His passion is yellow cards. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a poor player, um, and he's been a poor player for a while. Uh, Zaka. It's not like he's a good player. Yeah. You know, he's a poor player. He was a poor player under Wenger. He had his issues then. He was getting sent off. Yeah, he scored a banger once every thirteen games. Yeah. But apart from that, he didn't really do anything. So to give him captain, I think is mad, and I think. I'd be very surprised if we lead out the 2020-2021 season with Unai Emery as our manager. Because yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this as a Wenger, Wenger fan. But get Mourinho in! <laughs> get Mourinho in! Um, I think Arsenal's defence has just been mad and for the last however long. I think we need a manager that can make the team uh, solid. Solid midfield, solid defence. Because the attacking players, they, 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 they're, they're all right. They could do their bits. So it looks like it could be a bit of a race between Arsenal and Bayern Munich as to who can who can get Mourinho's signature yeah. um, on paper as quick as possible. So Leicester could do you a big favour this weekend, maybe with a, with a 9-0 uh, <laughs> <laughs> victory. Um, but yeah, what's your thoughts, thoughts? Levi? Yeah. So I think, on the, on I think, the Arsenal situation I think it's simple Shaka's a fraud yeah. he, he, just, he, just, he just is <laughs> yeah. he's a fraud he's, he's, been, he's been stealing a living from Arsenal he somehow managed to talk his way into getting um, captaincy um, I just don't know how the Arsenal players can be happy with a player that gets what 15 yellow cards a season in the Premier League um, mm. leading, leading your line you don't know whether he's going to get sent off in a game or produce a, a banger you need consistency yeah. you need a player that's going to lead the team and Xhaka isn't that player. He hasn't got the consistency. He hasn't got the, the the leadership almost. And we're saying that players that can do it on an international stage, but quite frankly, he's captain of of his national team. But he's just not. Mm, yeah. He's just not what Arsenal need. Um, yeah. You can't go from having Henri um, as your captain, someone who commands the team's respect, uh, the passion, chips in with his goals. Um, he's the standard almost. Yeah. And if Xhaka's the standard for Arsenal at the minute, then... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But outside of Xhaka, I'm struggling for another captain. For like, at the moment, it, it probably I mean, should be Aubameyang. Well, he has. Yeah, Aubameyang he, obviously yeah. wore the band. He the wore the band, but he probably should be the captain because he's consistent, he plays most games, he scores goals, yeah. um, and he could just lead by, by just by that, yeah. and by that himself. Um, I mean, outside of that, you're struggling. It is a real case of lead by example by having Aubameyang there, but 
from the, the games I've seen recently, I think it was your game away at Sheffield United. Horrible. Aubameyang didn't look like he wanted to be out there as much as anyone else did. No, true. So I think that instantly makes me think he's not a good captain. The one person I think actually does look like they, they have a bit about them is uh, Laka. Oh, Laka's it? Laka's I think it's like No, not Quendouzi. I wouldn't. He's too, <laughs> too young to, too young, yeah. to do that. But yeah, Lacazette, Lacazette, yeah. Lacazette I think, could um, potentially do it, but then you know, it, would that be putting the Arsenal injury curse or captain injury curse on him as well? Because he's he's not exactly had a, an amazing bill of yeah. health since he's been an Arsenal player. So um, yeah, certainly th- there's some big changes to be made yeah. at Arsenal. I don't know whether Mourinho is the man to do it though, in my opinion. Who I make I have a really funny thing about making a striker's uh, captain for some reason. I just yeah. feel like. Midfielders yeah. or defenders are the ones. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. But same I was thinking about Arsenal Ars- goalkeeper. Yeah. Too- yeah, I was thinking about Arsenal's midfielders and defenders, and I just thought, no, there you know, anyone. You know what? I'd much rather if I was an Arsenal fan. I'd much rather David Luiz have it than um, than have Granite Shaka yeah. having it. Luiz yeah. or Socrates. Callum Chambers. Socrates wouldn't be too bad. Callum Chambers wore the band for Fulham a few times last year, and I think you could do a lot worse than him mm. as a captain. Yeah. But yeah. he's not. He's not. As a player, he's not at the level yeah. that you need as a club. Yeah. But I think as a leader, I think Callum Chambers is actually probably one of the best options that you've actually got. And he's been at the club for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think Emery wants to probably be putting his club captain as someone that's like a third backup centre-back yeah, for him. Yeah. Um, Troubling times for Arsenal. Good, yeah, it's not, it's not a good, good time. Um, I think we will struggle to hold on to fifth place. But I think we'll just get it just because... The inconsistency of the other teams. They are where yeah. Crystal Palace are where they are because they're inconsistent. Mm. Uh, same for Everton, and you, you know, pundits can say, "Oh, you, you know, this could be their year," but they're just inconsistent. And I think Arsenal will just about have enough consistency yeah. to get fifth. You say that though, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think Arsenal will get fifth. Um, oh, really? I think that eventually Spurs will come to their senses, um, and that that will be your battle. Uh, yeah. is can you outdo uh, Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, I'd say no. You can't. <laughs> You've got. They've got a world class. They've got a world class striker. Um, but they also, so are we. Yeah. Right? You got. But they've got a world class striker who can who can captain a team who can uh, grab a game by the scruff of the neck if it's not going the the way of his team uh, in Harry Kane. But do Arsenal have that standout player that can do that and drag the team up with them? And in their current state, I would no. say no. Yeah, do you know what? You've kind of talked me, talked me out of it, to be fair. Sixth place. Do you know what it is so. as well? It's the manager as well. So I'm looking at the manager and I'm thinking, I can't see I can't see what he does with those group of players to change things. Um, I can see Pochettino can do something to change it, whether it's team talk, whether he can change a few things around with a few players. I can see, I, you're right, I can see Tottenham changing uh, the status quo and picking up some form. I, I, can't, I can't see it with Arsenal. That's why I think he needs a second. Honestly, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not like yeah. people should get sacked. But I just can't see it changing. I mm. can't see it changing. And and if we don't finish in the top four, we're gonna have some issues because I'm sure Lacazette and Aubameyang's contract. They've been there a while now. And I don't know how long their contracts were when they when they were brought. But I would. I'm making yeah. an educated guess here. That they're probably into <clears throat> their last maybe two. Well, neither, neither two are spring chickens now either. I think. Uh, I said neither are sort of young players anymore. No, Lacazette's no. pretty much in his prime, and as is Aubameyang. So 
um, yeah, whether they'll want to be spending their sort of, and, and especially the next two years, so from 2020, uh, the 20, uh, what will we be, 2020 to 21 season and then the 21 to 22 Ooh. being pre-World Cup seasons, um, I think Lacazette especially will be desperate to, to be a part of that France uh, squad yeah. um, that he's, he's not really been a big part of and obviously the depth there is incredible. So if, if you're not even playing Europa League as a Arsenal player, like you're not even Deschamps is not even gonna not think even of your name. Right? I'm honest with you. If I'm Lacazette, yeah. I leave I leave the next transfer window. Yeah. I don't care whether it's in the middle of the season. You'd um, be better off back at Leon. Because yeah. I'll tell you one thing, uh, he got bought fifty million uh, how many years ago now? Two? Two, three yeah. years ago. Yeah, more and than yeah, he three, just hasn't reached the heights that he was supposed to. He was hyped up to be the guy that Arsenal have been chasing for a long time. Yeah. The guy that was going to change it for them. And he just hasn't reached the heights. Um, and if he even wants to be considered to be a part of the French national team setup, which is massively, massively competitive, he needs to leave as soon as possible because yeah. that him being involved in the Arsenal lineup is so inconsistent. Yeah. Um, you don't know whether he's going to leave him out or whether he's actually going to include him in the lineup. Yeah. He's got to be chasing uh, being a part of the French setup, yeah. um, and will he be able to do that at Arsenal? No, I'm not sure. Yeah. And even if he was um, in the lineup regularly, will Arsenal be able to perform regularly enough um, that gets him noticed? Given the yeah, service no. to score the goals that he needs. Yeah. Lastly, on Arsenal, before I yeah, before my head explodes because they talking about Arsenal gives me a headache. Um, <laughs> so you said. You don't think Mourinho is the answer? Do you have any other candidates you think Arsenal should have on their shortlist? Uh, Realistic candidates. Yeah, is is Ancelotti in a job at the moment? I mean, the big ones that get thrown yeah. out there is is Allegri. Obviously, is is Ooh. out of a job at the moment. Um, I'm not sure. I just think Mourinho would be better suited at Bayern than he would at Arsenal. I just I don't. See, I think Mourinho would want to spend big. He would want to compl- he would want to throw out most of that current Arsenal squad. So you'd look at a situation where probably in the summer Mourinho starts sulking because he's not getting the financial back in. They're not buying the ninety million pound right back that he wants, mm. uh, and because he doesn't get those players in, he loses the dressing room. He loses yeah. the club. I just don't think I just don't think it's a Mourinho situation. It's not. But do you not think? Because listen, you can't say that the Arsenal players are rubbish players. They just they lack right, for an coaching and organisation. Yeah. So you, if you can get somebody who has got a track record of organising a backline, organising your midfield, um, even if they, if they went out and spent you know, 50, 60 million on, on Didi or someone like that, just to mm-hmm. kind of anchor the midfield and then... The attack, and play, the attack will take care of itself. You know, you've got Lacazette, we just spoke about him, Martinelli, Bamiyan, yeah. you know, Pepe. They just, they do things that, I, I, like I said, I coach, they do things that my team do because obviously we're not, we, I haven't moved on to that yet. I'm just working on their individual ability, like everyone going up on an attack or only leaving like one person back from a corner. Yeah. Or, or, uh, they're structurally all over the place um, sort of thing. Uh, and then, if they can get a manager that could just sort that out mm. for the short term, like even if Mourinho, if Mourinho was in there for, for two two or three years and he did implode towards the end, I honestly think while he was there, he would leave yeah, their structure is, in a better place yeah. than it is now and he might even win a cup yeah. along the way. I think as well, there's a there's a, at least a little bit of a struggle with the dressing room because he's got 
David Lewis in that dressing room who's probably had two rounds of Mourinho as a manager and seen it all fall apart um, and then he's also got Meza Urza in that dressing room who was one of the players that he outcasted quite drastically uh, during his time at Real Madrid um, so I think instantly he'd be trying to get rid of those two I think because he, he, what if you're in an environment with someone let's say you're in a relationship and it breaks down and you split up you're not gonna. You're not gonna just reform Ooh, somewhere later true. down the line and just forget about that time where it completely fell to shit and Ooh. and you know everything broke down. That will be in the back of the minds. It depends how big those personalities are in the dressing room. Obviously, we've seen Özil hangs around with other players and gets in knife fights in North Ooh. London with uh, what's is yeah, this it? Classic, classic, yeah. Um, and it was, and David Lewis, I'm sure, is a pretty popular character in that dressing room. So, do you get a, a Real Madrid situation two years ago where you get senior players coming forward and saying, actually, we don't want Mourinho? Like Ramos came forward, Verane came forward uh, and said, you know, we we've seen this guy here before. Yeah, he gets results in the short term, but actually, for for a club, for a squad. For a group of players, we don't want this guy leading Ooh. the line. I, I just, I just don't see Arsenal and Mourinho as, as a fit. As a fit. Well, where are you leaving? I'll, I would actually say Arsenal would need someone like Jurgen Klopp, and uh, the closest. I said realistic options. No, 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 no. Hold on. And the most, the closest manager I'd say that's out there now, um, similar to Jurgen Klopp, is um, David Wagner. Uh, yeah, I, coaches, I love. Yeah, coach Ooh. Schalke at the minute. I agree. Um, he is someone that the Arsenal players need. He's got very similar tactics and almost uh, belief in his players mm. as um, the likes of Jurgen Klopp does have. And I think the Arsenal players and Arsenal as a team need someone that's going to come in and not almost expect the world, um, not mm. going to expect the £90 million transfers, um, not going to expect the board to do completely everything. They need someone that's going to nurture that team that they've got and almost take care of them. And it's a, in a sense, as you can see, that... Jurgen Klopp has done so if they were to get anyone it has to be a manager of that sort almost that takes yeah. care mm. of the players looks after the younger players almost nurtures them into becoming uh, better and bigger players but also gives the more senior players that sense of responsibility but also that little caring um, aspect as well so I think mm. David Wagner will be able to, to, be able to add, add, that, add that little variable yeah. in it um, I'm a big Arsenal. fan of Wagner I mean he was, a, he was a student of Klopp at Dortmund anyway uh, did amazing things with Huddersfield got him mm. up uh, and then kept him up for a season on, on a shoestring budget. Ooh. Currently manager of Schalke, um, so I'm sure he could be prized away. I'm going to throw one more name in there. We haven't got much time left here at the end of the podcast, but Eddie Howe, thoughts? Levi, you I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, there's, a lot, there's been a lot said about Eddie Howe, even when um, the England managers uh, came up as well. Um, I'm not going to lie, the things that he's done at Bournemouth are impressive. Uh, not a lot of budget, not a lot really um, in terms of bringing in new players. They brought in the likes of Ibe. Um, <laughs> but know? yeah, that just um, in itself says something. However, what I would say, would he fit the bill at somewhere like Arsenal? I think he'd be, he'd, he'd basically drown. Uh, I, 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 I agree, like, I think he'd be overwhelmed. Yeah. He he drowned. Small club. Small club yeah. He wouldn't be able to. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't be able to take that step up um, to yeah. become that. Almost, I feel like the players have to respect the manager um, yeah. and see all the stuff that he's done, where he's come from, and to go from Bournemouth 
to Arsenal, if if Arsenal can even still be considered a big club, um, <laughs> then shots <laughs> fired. Then I think they'd, you'd have to have the respects of the changing room, and I don't think that jump uh, commands that respect. No, I agree. I agree. I I I, I, I don't think he can. He, for someone like Eddie Howe, his progression to a top team needs to be incremental. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he could jump to, to a top a, top five, top six team. Like, I don't think he can go to like Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, City, whatever. Send him I to think, Everton. Yeah, he yeah he could, he could probably go yeah. to Everton, and then if he done well with them, yeah. then maybe he'd have then he'd get that respect after that. If he like won the FA Cup with them or got them into the top four, decent Champions League yeah. run, then maybe you know the the boards of those clubs and the yeah. fans of those clubs will be like. Yeah, Eddie Howe. Yeah. Eddie Howe can do bits, but at the moment, nah. I think he'd try. I don't think you can go from Emery. He's gone from PSG to Arsenal to Ooh, then yeah. go from Eddie Howe, who's gone from Bournemouth to Arsenal. I just think that sort of dynamic yeah. won't work. Yeah. yeah, I. But then does this? I think this that this kind of goes back to our, our earlier thing about you know there's an oversight there of you don't unless someone's come from a unless someone's had an amazing season last year these clubs will not even consider you. Um, whereas, I don't know, someone like Nuno uh, mm. at, uh, at Wolves, you know, he, he, I think he had good seasons before. And it's, I know it's a different club. Wolves is a different club to, um, to Arsenal. Pochettino didn't have, you know, I think he'd managed at Espanyol before he became Spurs manager. Mm. Um, it doesn't, I think managers don't have to necessarily, because Emery, didn't he get sacked from PSG? He was rubbish at PSG. They hated him, uh, but he was a big name because he yeah. won the he won the uh, Europa yeah. Cup like four years in a row or something. Yeah. Was that was severe? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just think that, that Arsenal has got such a big club mentality with actual like um, small club kind of aspirations and results, <laughs> um, and I think that that's that's where your problem is. There's a void there in between the actual real world situation and the glory years of, and it's exactly the same situation for Man United. They're stuck in a in a in a space in between success of the past and just you know be, being real about their situation and realizing actually. Um, but don't do a Man United and get in an ex-pro, get Freddie Lundberg or someone in. No, no, no. Manager. Do you know who I'd really want? And when I said reali- realistic options, my unrealistic option would be Simeone. Oh, amazing manager. Like, yeah. I think he, he could transform those players yeah. to get them, because Arsenal players need to run harder, they need to, yeah. um, you know, concentrate more, they need to improve, right? They're not bad players, mm. right? They just need to do that. And I think... The manager at the moment is not getting the best out of those players mm. that, that he's got there. I think someone like Simeone could do that, but I just don't think realistically that he's going to go anywhere at the moment. So that's why I said realistic options. And I think um, Mourinho is a realistic option because yeah. he wants to come back to the English football. Mm. And where is he going to go? His life is in London. As yeah, well. where is he going to go? He's yeah. not going to go back to Chelsea. Not, can't, Liverpool City, they don't need no Mourinho at the moment. And he's done with United. Realistically, where is he going to go? Yeah. Like, if... if I think I think you could... You could do a lot worse. Yeah. Mourinho. Oh, I mean, do don't get me wrong. The guy's won, you know... Whatever he's, what he's got, three Premier Leagues, four Premier Leagues. 
he's won everything there is with, yeah, yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah, with a coach. being Portugal manager and winning the yeah. World Cup for, for them like he's he's done absolutely everything so I'm not writing off Mourinho as as a but I guess he's not the right just, fit. I just don't know whether yeah. he's an Arsenal manager. No, I, and um, I see it. But how many how many are those out there at the moment? Maybe it's mm, time for change. Pa- yeah. Passionate managers are what are getting the job done. If you look Ooh. at all of the top yeah. leagues, um, they've got the, the passionate managers, um, and they're the teams that are doing well. So find a passionate manager, one that you know can give a bit of flair on the touchline. Uh, like, as you said, Simeone, you've got lots of Klopp, I'd say Pep as well. Yeah. If you have a passionate manager behind your team, um, and I think that passion translates into the team. And I think United, Arsenal, they need that injection of passion. Yeah. I don't think you could just sit in the stands with a, with a straight face anymore. The players need to see it. Mm-hmm. And they need to see that fight, that hunger yeah. almost. And um, when, they, when they see that, then that's what translates onto the pitch. So times are changing. The time where this, the manager just sat on the bench, straight face. Yeah, like Hodgson does. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that time's gone now. You you got to have that manager that's out there with a bit of flair, bit of bit of guts, yeah. um, passion, and that's what's going to get the results in the pitch. Yeah. It's just, it's, I don't know what's gone wrong with it because I, I think I know we finished fifth last year, but I don't think he had a bad year in terms of like he'd get things right at like half time, he'd make substitutions yeah. and things would work, and we'd turn results around. But this year. Watching, I cancelled my Sky subscription. <laughs> I had, to be fair, I had Sky free for three months um, through New Virgin because I moved house, and I watched a few Arsenal games and I saw the Sheffield United game. And the next day, I picked up the phone, I called Virgin, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to cancel that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to continue after the free three yeah. months because." I just kind of like so sickened Samaritans or something yeah, <laughs> yeah I needed some, <laughs> some, some support yeah. um, I was so sickened by their, the way that they're playing at the moment yeah. and I was just like you know look at Chelsea Chelsea are grabbing the ball by the horns they're like okay no expectations City or Liverpool are going to win the league you know outside of that let's just go for it so let's finish up the, the show today then talking about uh, the Spurs game on Sunday uh, Tottenham Everton um, a few points, well, one big talking point uh, that came out of this horrific uh, injury uh, to Andre Gomez. But before we, we mention that, um, VAR use in this game, I mean, did you two see the game? Yeah, I watched it live. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't, I watched the highlights um, of the game though. So you just see it. So, so we had um, a penalty call uh, on Son uh, where I think Jerry Mina just basically fell onto him, and, and in my opinion, it was a penalty. Yeah. Um, you had a Richarlison and Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez took him down. That was a penalty. That was a penalty. Yeah. Uh, Rich- Sanchez took down Richarlison at the end of the game uh, when he was like basically last man. That wasn't given. Ooh. That was reviewed and checked and not given. Um, and also we had the Deli Alley handball in the penalty area, uh, hand above his head like this in a completely yeah. unnatural position. Yeah. Hits his hand. They review it for like three or four minutes, no penalty given, uh, you know. Uh, so what is going wrong with VAR? I mean, I think this is probably a subject that, that we could do a, a full show on. Yeah. Um, here's, all right, here's my take uh, before we hear what you got to say. But I think, do you need, do you need Premier League uh, standard referees in the VAR room? in terms of do they need to be current referees that can run with a game? Because obviously, like, most current Premier League 
referees are, are there and they're in between an age of sort of yeah. 30 to maybe 45 because they can still keep up with the pace of the game. Ooh. Why don't we have slightly older retired referees that have Doing been there, seen it all, the that are sat in the VAR office? I agree with that. And I also think there should be, this might be a hard one because obviously bias and that, but I also think there should be some ex-pros in there. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's because done. you've got. I mean, I don't know. I thought in some games they did have referees in doing the VAR, or do they not? Is so it just random people? They no, they are. They're they, they have current. They have current referees yeah. um, in there. Um, but again, if I was to give my take on it, um, VAR as it is is being done wrong. I yeah, think yeah. the way we've seen VAR done, um, we've got the video assistant referee obviously who's making the yeah. decisions in the, the studio but should they be the ones making the decision uh, what I think should be happening is what happens uh, in, the, in the German league for example they run over the referee that's actually on the pitch and run over to check the screen well, why are Premier League referees being so lazy that they don't want to go and double check it themselves yeah. um, you double check it yourself you make the decision yeah. the onus is on you um, but I don't even think that is simply the end of it um, we've I think VAR's altered, almost altered the rules of football um, to to some extent. Like you look at uh, even Firmino's um, decision that he was actually onside. He is well onside. The line. Did you see much of yeah. the play or, yeah. or something? The, yeah, the line that they it. did wasn't terribly. They changed it. And the, like the red line was, the... was 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 an angle. <laughs> so I think you're right. Or someone put the paper to it, and the paper was like at an angle, like. Yeah. Like, a, like yeah, like a diagonal line. It's like it didn't even do it straight. So yeah. if you can't trust the technology and the technology is getting it wrong, and you're getting the technology usage wrong, how can you then uh, expect people to trust VAR? Like the rules of football um, have been quite simple for for a long time. The attacker gets the advantage um, if the decision can't be made like made uh, adequately. We need to keep like the free flowing element on mm. it, um, and in that moment there. They ruled out Firmino's goal. Liverpool could have gone on to lose that game, but uh, the decision was wrong, quite frankly. Yeah. So the referee should be going, running over to that touchline, checking the screen themselves to make sure they're getting that decision pinpoint correct. Yeah. Because currently they're getting it really, really wrong, and everyone's just getting more and more yeah. annoyed with the decisions that are being made. So. Yeah. And I think um, there are so to go back to the thing about you know, referees maybe that are fit enough and, and good enough to run the game on the pitch versus, you know, having the same referees sat in a in a room this size at a computer screen, like controlling some sort of like interface that lets you judge whether someone's offside by a toe or Ooh. whatever. Um, could you not have a system where you have training and you have you have a specialism within refereeing to be a video referee. So let's say the training could involve you watch 300 incidents and you have to, without any help, like an exam, you have to judge what the outcome was from that. And they would be objective to the rules. Um, and let's say you need like a 95% pass rate yeah. on this to become some sort of video referee. I just think, I just think there's, you know, being a referee is not just about making a decision as to whether it's right or wrong. It's not all about the rule book, traditionally. It's about managing 22 fired up guys on a pitch that want to rip each other's heads off and also letting the game flow, 
and also you know making the right decisions and getting the decisions right as much as you can along with your assistant referees i don't think you know those skills are unnecessarily relevant when you're actually in the var room i think the person in the var room needs to just be a complete bloody rule book nerd yeah. that just knows what is right what is wrong and can objectively just go that is a penalty and also improve the technology if, if say this Deli Alley um, handball I don't know whether they deemed it in the end to be ball to hand because um, they thought it came off of Yerry mm. Mina's head bring in hotspot bring in those kind of technologies where you're actually you can judge what is actually happening because I think yeah. a lot of the time they're being let down by the the devices and the technology available to them but it's a bit it's, a, it's going to take a long time I think for, for the whole thing to be up to scratch I will, cha- I will challenge the the, the rule book the rule book nerds yeah. almost um, theory that you just said because I just think to be a video system referee um, you'd have to have some context of how the game um, is, play- is played um, and I just think if you've either played or just been a, re- a referee or on the yeah. pitch at a certain time you have a different level of understanding um, almost of what the game will be like how it will be run um, sure. and the things that can happen in a game I feel like that those elements of it are vital because someone that does everything to the letter can get decisions horribly horribly wrong mm. um, and I think a perfect example of that was uh, the the game with Tottenham Everton when obviously Son um, makes the, the initial challenge on Andre Gomez and the reason why he actually receives the red card in the end because because the reaction to the injury the reaction to the injury is he endangered uh, an opponent from his challenge I think that is the rule book mm. that's the rule book saying that however you look at replay after replay of that challenge the damage isn't done by Son mm. yeah. if anything the damage is Aurier. done by Aurier um, mm. and he's the one that make, that makes the the almost the the telling blow almost that yeah. um, causes the horrific injury if we look at it to the book, the person that's, if anything, endangered um, the player is, is Oreo. So he either receives the challenge, but because the initial challenge comes from Son, mm. the rule book says that Ooh. he's the player that, that gets the, the red card. Was that was that deemed to have come down from, was that a decision made by the referee in the moment? or did, I'm not was there sure. any video? Because he did, he did have the yellow card in hand, didn't he? He, he, he showed inst- it. He, he showed instantly it, yeah. yellow carded him and then he I, I, I think that might have he been... went and saw the foot hanging off. The referee, yeah. <laughs> the referee emotion, yeah. Emotionally, well, he actually him. mouthed as he red carded Sonny. Mouthed, "I'm sorry, mm. I'm sorry to be doing this." Um, so that uh, that whole situation kind of went beyond football. Mm. I think in that moment, when you actually when you see someone with a, an injury that bad, it's very hard to kind of yeah. think in the headspace of this is this is Premier League football. Yeah. I'm, I think that. and when the crowd are kind of going mad yeah, it's all well. stuff is so harsh. I think it's going to sound quite weird. I think he was right to send him off but not for that reason. I don't I couldn't see him playing on. He was so unconsolable. Yeah, I think he, he had to go Spurs Spurs should would have had to sub him. Yeah, off. they would have had to yeah. sub him. So it was either he went up yeah. to him yeah, or or he sent him off. He went up to sorry, um, Pochettino and said, "Look, yeah, 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 yeah make make this up." Yeah. Or or he he sent him off because there was no way that Son yeah. was going to be able to play on after that. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, well, there's talk of him being left out of the uh, yeah. the game this week, Champions League uh, game. 
for those reasons because he's just emotionally yeah. <laughs> wrecked uh, yeah. by a situation. But Gomez, um, I think he's had surgery now. Mm. Um, I saw on his Instagram story today, he's sort of shared all of the, the well wishes that he's had. And uh, it's quite remarkable, to be honest, actually, the amount of yeah. incredible players that he's played with in his, in his relatively short career so far. Yeah. Uh, it does, does help when you play at Barcelona <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. for a bit, but... Um, and Port and obviously a, a fantastic Portugal team, um, but yeah, not not a good situation. Uh, I would I would agree that I don't think he necessarily should have gone, um, but it was he, he was retaliating to the fact that he'd been elbowed about sixty seconds prior. Mm. Um, you know when you just watch a player and you know they're going to do something sh- stupid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as I saw the tackle moment. happening, yeah. As soon yeah. as he started running away, yeah. I was like, oh, that's saw yeah. thingy. I knew he was going to lunge just in. Been dis- Did he get dispossessed? Because there was something like because he, he took the elbow to the face, yeah. but that went was, down. Yeah. They didn't give anything for it, um, and then I think he had the ball and I think he was dispossessed. And then yeah, when, once you see Iwobi a player, had it, it didn't he? Iwobi then passed yeah. it to, to, yeah. to him. And once you see a player sprinting after another yeah. one, um, you know. yeah, it's just unfortunate. So unfortunate. I mean, I was, I was speaking to a mate at the time, and I was like, "That tackle is made week in, week oh, out." Oh yeah, it's just the way three or four times. Yeah, yeah usually I, I'm not like a sort of scientist in terms of how people fall, but usually when you when your leg gets tripped like that, you kind of fall forward. Yeah, like. So you'd be like, you usually see them sometimes skidding forward, yeah, like they're yeah. doing that like they're doing a celebration, yeah, cleansman yeah. slide sort of thing. Yeah, you fall onto your knees. Yeah, you fall onto your knees. But yeah. it's like Gomez, he did a kind of a step out, almost like he was trying to maybe stay on his feet and then yeah, carry yeah. on. But obviously the weight, yeah. the weight of that was it either that or was he trying to maybe avoid contact with Aria? Yeah, maybe. And in the end, maybe. that actually was the yeah. that was the. Yeah. The vital thing that horrible stuff anchored his leg to the the grass and yeah, oh, just, just sat, it's football. What happens? Yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah, I've seen it happen. I wish him that quite a lot. I think the worst, the worst one I've seen is Eduardo. Yeah, that was horrific. Birmingham, uh, two thousand and nine. Yeah. That was horrific because you could see Cisse. Cisse, yeah. Cisse, that was horrible as well. You can see the splintering. You can see the of bone, bone sticking out yeah. of uh, Eduardo's sock. Um, <laughs> It was just it was ridiculous, and and it, and he. Yeah. I just hope that he has a, a decent career after it. Like, I, I don't think you come back exactly the same. Seamus Coleman, he's doing okay. Yeah, like, but psychologically, yeah, you can see the players as well. Like, there was a few times where I think, oh yeah, they just didn't want to tackle. Well, Col- Coleman apparently went into. He was one of maybe I, I don't know if he was the only one, but he was a an Everton player that actually went in to see Son in the dressing room after um, I think Pochettino said that in his, yeah. his post game stuff but um, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes I'm sure Son probably won't play this week mm-hmm. um, and he seems to be a fairly emotional player so be interesting uh, how that goes and, and Spurs obviously really need him at the moment in the situation they're in so um, we'll have we'll have more on them next week uh, when we find out what, what they do this weekend I think it's international break as well next week so whether he goes off to, to South Korea yeah. um, to recuperate or or takes a, a couple of weeks off. We'll see. Um, that concludes our show for today. Pretty, pretty football-heavy, but I think it's yeah. good. I think there was a lot to talk about. Um, Levi, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the show. So your final prediction for Logan Paul KSI? Yes. Final prediction. 
I'd say... Such a hard one. I'd say Logan Paul takes it in the third round. John? Um, we had this discussion before. Uh, I'm going to go for KSI... No, I'm going to go for KSI and points, yeah. All right, and then I'll, I'll, I'll take the other option, which is KSI knockout. Um, well, the only thing we're not leaving, we're not predicting is a, a Logan Paul points. I don't think Logan Paul's going to win on points. I think it, yeah. if he hurts, if he's winning the fight, I think he's going to go for the knockout. Yeah. Whereas I think um, KSI will probably... Box. Just one, box. one point there is to consider. Um, Logan Paul's being trained by... Shannon Briggs um, <laughs> and KSI's team uh, are training with uh, the Mayweather yeah, team. Yeah, Money Mayweather. And he's sparred with Badu Jack. Um, and I just think the training that is going into the two fighters is very different. Yeah. I want. I really badly want to take KSI in the fifth, but I just think Logan's size is just ridiculous compared mm. to KSI. And in the last fight, rounds one, two, and three, a little bit of free Logan had that punch power and yeah. with no head guards I worry yeah. about KSI <laughs> I yeah, do you, okay. you're, you're persuading me there but I'll stick with it but I wouldn't be surprised I think it's either going to be KSI on points because he avoids the big shot or Logan Paul's going to knock him out yeah because right. of no head guard well we will find out uh, this weekend uh, it's uh, live on Sky Sports box office uh, at around 6am in the morning on Sunday so wake up and get the home yeah I think I'm going to be setting an alarm early uh, and watching that so yeah thanks for listening this week Uh, we'll see you all next week cheers thank you very much